Why don't they just do what I tell them to do? Ugh. If you've ever had that feeling, this episode is definitely for you. Tap into the psychology of engagement and more. This is where we talk about life, learning, and everything in between. This is the Lifelong Podcast, a show for those of you who love to ask why. Because we're marketers. It's because we're coaches. It's because we're change makers. Each week, we dive into the big questions and explore the psychology of engagement with strategies, tactics, and special guests along the way. Now, here's your guide, the visibility hacking queen herself, Coach Molly. Hey, visibility hackers, and welcome back to the Lifelong Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Molly from visibilityhacking.com, and today we're talking about behavior. Hmm. Hmm, hmm. This season, we're diving into the psychology of engagement, psychology for marketers. I'm going to share with you tips and tricks from the world of psychology, the world of education, and so much more. And today, we're talking about modeling behavior. Modeling behavior. It's a four-step process, and it's actually pretty simple. We do it with our kids. We do it when we're raising little little humans, little toddlers and whatnot. And so I'm going to show you these simple, simple steps that you can help your coaching clients get better results. You can help your one-on-one clients get better results. And you can get better results yourself um, in your family and in your community as well. So modeling behavior is really, it's really important. What it basically is, is the showing someone how to do something, telling them how to do it, and then helping them go through that process, providing feedback at the end. So the easiest example to think about would be a kindergarten class where you have a bunch of little humans running around and they're trying to navigate these social relations and they're trying to learn new skills. And maybe they're even trying to learn a new language. So modeling behavior can be applied to many different areas of our lives and in our businesses and in our movements. So we go to our kindergarten class, right? And maybe they're learning to identify an apple and a car, two different words, but we want to give them that association. So the simplest way to model that behavior would be that the teacher would do it first. The teacher would point to the apple and say apple, and then they would point to the car and they'd say car. And then the second step would be to instruct. So then you say, okay, now you guys say it. Apple, car. The third one is rehearse. And that's where we're getting the other, the, getting our students to actually engage. We've told them the instructions. We'd showed them the behavior. We've told them the instructions. And now we're letting them experiment. We're letting them try it out. We're rehearsing with them. And then once they're done rehearsing, that's when we give feedback. We should be giving feedback throughout the process, but we're definitely going to make sure that we give focused and specific uh, instruction and feedback in that final phase. So how does this apply to my coaching practice, you might be asking me? Well, say you are a nutrition and fitness coach and you're trying to help change that behavior, change a specific behavior in your people. 
Maybe they have poor eating habits or they like to snack a little bit too much. Maybe they like to eat a little bit too late in the day. Maybe they don't like to exercise or when they do, they go to the gym and they're not really working out. They're just there uh, taking selfies and playing on their phone maybe. There's a change in behavior that needs to happen in order for them to get the results that you've promised to deliver. So the way that you would do that is first and foremost, position yourself as the ultimate example of your coaching practice. You should be modeling all of the appropriate behaviors that you're expecting your clients to take on. So if you are trying to change, um, or if you're that fitness coach, right, you're the one who's going to be eating healthy. The way that you can help model that in this new digital world is sharing what you're eating on social media. If that's part of your brand, if that's part of the change of behavior that you're trying to help your people achieve, then you want to be sharing your journey with them. If you have tips and tricks along the way, you want to be sharing them. You want to show them that you are the ultimate example that they can follow to get that change in behavior as well. If they simply do what they see you doing, they will be able to get results. The second step in this is to instruct. So not only are you sharing those images of what you're eating, you're telling them how they can do it themselves. You're putting together a recipe book. You're sharing, a, do a live stream while you're cooking your dinner and let them um, follow along with you. You have to not only model the behavior first that you're expecting from your people, you're also giving them instructions of how they do it themselves. Our third step is rehearsing. And this is where we kind of let the reins go a little bit and let our people practice. We give them that opportunity to try it out. This can be done really simply and organically in some cases. And in others, we may need to create a little bit more framework and a little bit more structure to give them that opportunity. So look at what your practice is. If you're a fitness coach, this is where you give them that seven-day challenge so that they can put into play what they've learned and start to have that change in behavior. If you are a writing coach, for example, this is where you might send your people away with a tip to write a certain amount of words or chapters or whatnot and then report back for our next session. I do live stream coaching, so with my clients in that rehearsal area is where I let them go fiddle with their own shows and start to play. The way that this, those of you who watch um, what we do with visibility hacking, I'll use visibility hacking as an example and go through this model. So level one is modeling the behavior. That's what I do every single day. All of my live shows all of my pre-recorded shows, this is what I do. I share the cool graphics and that awesome environment that you can create in your own show. So I model that behavior. The second thing I do is I instruct. So students of mine in Live Academy, they get access to all of the content of how to put this stuff together for their own show. So they have that instruction manual. And the third step is when they get to go free reign and they get to play around. They have that knowledge now. They know what the model looks like and what they want to achieve. And now they have the ability to play around and actually make that happen. 
And then we always come back for our group coaching sessions where we get together and we pick apart the things that have been challenging for people and we look for ways to overcome those obstacles. If there's feedback to be given about certain parts of the their learning or their rehearsal that need adjustment, then this is where we do that. But we make sure that we close that loop at the end every single time. We always give feedback. So if you're a if you're a fitness coach, we've talked about that. If you do live stream coaching like I do, we've talked about that. Now, what happens if for example, you are a I'm just trying to think of another kind of coach, a business coach. A business coach would be great example as well. They're leading by showing you how their business works. That is the model. They are they are doing the job. They are walking the walk. They are talking the talk, right? Then the second level is instruction. And that's what happens when you get into one-on-one coaching programs or group coaching programs. You give the instructions to your people. You show them actually how to accomplish the tangible result that you promise. The third step is that rehearsal where you're letting your students go out. Some coaches will give you very bite-sized tasks to accomplish and other coaches might want to overwhelm you with, here's everything, go. (laughs) And that fourth piece is missing in a lot of coaching programs and that's the feedback. That is the ability for you as the coach to actually check out what your people are doing. Don't just ask them for their questions. Don't just ask them for their roadblocks, but actually go out and check out what they're doing. Create resources for them. Give them that feedback that they need. That fourth step in this model is what is most commonly forgotten, what is most commonly overlooked. And you think, oh, just because we're all getting together once a week or every other week or whatever, or I have all of these different ways for my people to contact me, stop being so passive. Stop sitting back and expecting these results from your people just because you told them what to do. If you are not modeling the behavior first, if you are not then telling them how to do it, if you are not then giving them the space to try it themselves, and if you fail at step four, which is to provide that feedback that is specific to your students, then you will fail to live up to your promise of getting them the results that they can get. Or you're going to get them the results, but you're going to get them the results in a long time. I'm all about speed. I'm all about making sure that my people can get those results as quickly as they possibly can so that they can move on to doing bigger and better things, so that they can move on to focusing on their superpower or growing their network or trying something new. That's the importance of this model. So it works if you're in kindergarten or if you're a senior manager. Modeling the appropriate behavior will also show within your program that this is the model to follow and your students will start to follow it. Your students will start to become that ultimate example. They will start to model the appropriate behavior for the next group of students that comes in, for example. It's like, I think back to my time in university when I'd walk into this university campus and All of these second, third, and fourth year students had matching leather jackets. But the jackets were the same, 
but the patches on the jackets were all different. And there was this whole system behind how you treat your jacket and how you put patches on it and what patches you're allowed to put and when you're allowed to put them. For example, it's not as simple as you go buy a jacket and then you can put your patches on it. There was a whole system behind it. You're not allowed to wear your jacket until you've finished your first set of exams, till you've passed your first set of exams. And even um, the engineering community who holds really, really close to these traditions, they would actually have to kick their jacket home bef before exams, and they weren't allowed to put the jacket on until after exams were done. And I thought at first this was absolutely bizarre to see people acting so strangely and participating in this ritual that I didn't quite understand. But it was once you stood back and you looked around at what people were doing and you realized that there is a pattern to this behavior. That if you look to the older students, you can see that they are in fact modeling this specific behavior. They're enforcing their own rules. And that's so cool to see. There is nobody still alive who started these traditions, but they, they are able to stay um, to keep fresh, to keep happening, to stay relevant because that behavior is ingrained in the community. That comes from understanding how we model behavior. So let's look at this engineering example um, through the model. So we had the older students modeling the appropriate behavior. We saw the way that they wore their jackets. We heard the way that they talked about their patches. We saw the progression and the timeline of when they were allowed to do what they were allowed to do. We also see modeling with the new students, those first year students, who are gathering pieces of information from their older students um, and starting to understand the rituals themselves. Then we go into the instruct level, phase two. That's where frosh week, the first week of school, you get to, your first year students get to meet with some of the older students and those older students then tell us all about these rituals. They give us that inside knowledge. They instruct us on how to participate in this community. Then we are given the space to rehearse. We're going to spend the rest of that first year figuring out and participating in this ritual. And instead of having feedback as a specific segment and a specific phase at the end of the sequence, instead, feedback is written and woven into that rehearsal period. This is where students are then mm, kind of finger wagged for wearing their jacket too early or they're kind of given that quizzical look by the bookstore clerk who goes, why are you buying that patch? And we're reinforcing that behavior that way. So when the cycle continues and we come back a full year, those students who were at the beginning a first-year student and they had no idea about this behavior and this community language, a full year later, they become the leaders who are now sharing and modeling that behavior for the next group of incoming students. Maybe you're not running an engineering program, but you're running a coaching program. You run a group coaching program that runs in iterations or runs in groups or cohorts, right? So you've brought in, you've brought in your group of students. You're going to go through this model with them so that by the end of their cycle through that program, they know the appropriate behavior. They will self-regulate that behavior. They will 
they will be the example for that second group of students who comes in. It will be so much quicker to get that community culture back going because you already have students who speak that language, that language of culture. And we do this by modeling the appropriate behavior, instructing our people on how to participate, giving them the space to rehearse, and making sure that we have the time and energy set aside to ensure that they get a decent feedback. Every loop should end with feedback. So that, my friends, is the secret to modeling behavior. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I will see you again in our next one. And until then, remember, I love you and be excellent to each other.